Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This thing right here. Yeah. Yeah. It's for my people's in the streets. <laughs> yes. Yes. Today. Yes. Yes. Today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. To the RC, what mic? We're in the building, ready to roll, uh, getting this thing back on, uh, ready to get going. Uh, it's it, You know, it's playoff time. Uh, tonight we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the game. Uh, it, you know, KD goes down. Uh, we're going to uh, spend a little bit of time talking about what's going on with that and uh, kind of getting into the uh, into the uh, NBA uh, kind of playoff mode to kind of as the uh, NBA season's down to really either one or two more games. Before I do that, i got to bring my guys in to the fold. Uh, my man, Big Bang Hank. What's up, Hank? How you doing? I'm doing well, D. I, it, I just want to take this time and this opportunity uh, to wish all the fathers out there a very happy Father's Day and happy Father's Day to you as well, D. You know, uh, we sometimes get the short end of the stick. You know, we get the Mother's Day. They, we, every restaurant out there is jam-packed, man. What happens on Father's Day? We got to break out the grill. We got to do all the cooking. But I just hope that all the fathers out there have a very blessed day, and I just want to give them a shout-out real quick. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's special as well to you. Uh, uh, Enjoying your Father's Day as well. Uh, and we bring in the youngin', uh, the man, the myth, the young legend trying to make a name for herself uh, in the game. My man, Darnell, how you doing? I'm pissed off. They um they they messed up my boy KD. They gave him bad information. They peer pressured him, and now he's out for all the next year. I'm pissed. Well, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about that in the cipher. Uh, we want to again <laughs> welcome you all to to RZ One Mike. You, you know, it sounds like the young man have a lot to say. Uh, you know, uh, here on it. Uh, this is uh, one of our uh, podcasts on our RZ uh, uh, media platform. Uh, we have the big show. Um, that's what my man Phil and and and, and uh, uh, Marcus, uh, the game changer, and uh, you know we kind of be on a hiatus. We're gonna try and get that warmed up. Uh, we, my man Hank uh, is, has inside the park. Hank, I was in uh, watching the Rockies and uh, and the Cubs out in, De- in Denver, man. And uh, man, it was fireworks for the first inning on. And we got we're gonna talk about David Ortiz a little bit. So I feel like a little bit yeah. inside the park going on. Uh, we, we'll, we'll get into that uh, big time. Uh, here on uh, in our opening mic session, um, and uh, we also have hustle and flows with uh, Marcus and Sekou. It's the intersection between hip hop and sports. So you go to realsportsguys.com to try to connect with everything RSG, our social media uh, as well. Um, you can always get us real sports guys on most social media platforms, or you can listen to us on uh, all podcast uh, uh, platforms as well. Uh, we're most of that through Blog Talk Radio. So hey, we're we're having it. We're here. Uh, we're entering the open mic. It was kind of a warm-up. Uh, we kind of get in there. My goodness, the women national soccer team done it on, Tyler. 13 nothing. 
and they 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 they, they dance on every shot, you know, clowned on every move, you know, like it was a like it was some cash beats who got buys on the pickup uh, of the court at Rucker, where every move was had 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 something on it. every point was had exclamation mark, and then everybody starts talking about them showboating. It got crazy and and and, and, and talking about things that are crazy when. You know, as 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 uh, someone said, you know, nobody nobody said anything when the Dream Team was dunking on Angola, you know, up by 30 uh, with the bench clowning. Nobody talked about them doing it, but the, the women spent a little bit on the World Cup and they go crazy. Hank, when you heard all this, what, what's your opinion on the the folks who say act like you've been there versus you you have to wait all this time in a sport that hardly any goals are scored. And you finally get a chance to go score one. Um, you're gonna show your emotion. You know what? What, what was uh, we see this in baseball? You know this kind of clash of cultures uh, in baseball. What, what was your opinion? Or what have you been thinking about when you hear what people's reaction is to what our national team did? Well, let me tell you something. You know me. You know I'm always going to be the sage of old school when it comes to these sort of things. You know. And I really get sick and tired of hearing all these bleeding hearts talking about some oh. That's showboat. I got news for you, okay? If you don't want me to showboat, then keep the keep the ball out the net. That's how you keep me from showboating, especially in soccer. All right, this is a sport, and y'all know this. You can watch soccer, and this, and, and, and you could you could be having you could be an insomniac, insomniac. You could put on a soccer game, and you will be asleep in ten minutes. Okay, you probably slept all week. For some of these soccer games, for some of these two ones, some of this extra time. So I think personally that it's quite entertaining to see a soccer game in which 13 goals were scored. Okay, I don't think they could have did that if the Thailand team hadn't even showed up. If they were just kicking from the 50-yard line and trying to put it in the net. So I thought that that was very entertaining. The other piece that folks don't seem to understand when they want to sit here and tell these ladies, "Oh, y'all act like y'all been there before." They've got to do with the Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor King show. And let me explain that to some of y'all. They've got to be a barnstorming group. And do you know why they've got to be a barnstorming group? Because they're not getting paid equally like the men are. And see, so their thing right now is they've got to entertain as well as play. They've almost got to must-win this uh, World Cup tournament simply so they can get – they've got a lawsuit out there about getting paid – like the men are getting paid, okay? And that's a big deal that no one's really doing a whole lot of talking about. So they know what they're doing. And see, if you, and, and, and quite frankly, they forced this on these ladies. You, they've got to be a barnstorming group and clown and be entertaining so people will turn in and see what they're going to do next just so they can get their money. So bravo to them. If they can score 30 in a game, that's the only way you're going to get me to watch some soccer. I'm all for it. And Hope Solo, don't step out of bounds and try and be like the Pittsburgh Steelers lineman talking about somebody else's money. Leave alone. <laughs> oh, gotta, like, come on, Hope. Don't, right. don't you be the one out here throwing. Like, look, get in line. Like, don't you start being the one talking about act like you've been there. Oh, you're killing me. No, you're killing you see, me. I think, Hope I think Solo, you. nobody should say, of all people who's going to talk, for this team, it's not, it should not be Hope Solo. Hope Solo, I got, a, I, I, I got some advice for you. You keep your clothes on, okay? You keep your clothes on so that don't, anybody got to see that foolishness no more. 
You don't know what I'm talking about, go Google it. So it, it, it's, it's like, and then when you put that one inside voice, they're like, see, Hope Solo said they need to act like they've been there. It's like these women are fighting. I mean, it, it, in some ways, the women's soccer are doing what Billie Jean King and them had to do for women's tennis, you know, in the 70s. You know, they had to create their own WTA. Uh, they had to kind of come up with their own thing because they weren't getting paid as much as the, as, as the men. And you see right now the most entertaining, to me, the most entertaining stuff people watch are women's tennis. You know, we got some great people in the doll and a lot of great players over there. Women's, women's tennis has been carrying for a long time. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, if this is something that, you know, they're going to put the envelope on, we're going to see what happens as, as they progress through the World Cup. We got the generational perspective. Come on in, come on in, Darnell. You know, you you grew up. We would say as part of the U.S. soccer generation. Like you grew up in a time where many people around you was playing soccer. You grew up in an area where soccer was played a lot. Soccer is kind of you know. Hank and I grew up. You know, soccer was like something you did at gym. You didn't really know too many soccer players. You know, but you but for runs from the hood, you they had soccer skills. They're like, ain't like it's gonna pay. I'm gonna get a shoot court. But you grew up in a generation where soccer was the norm, that soccer was all around you. So what saved you? I disagree with that. Uh, we grew up just like you guys. Uh, we played <laughs> soccer. The only time I ever played soccer was right after I graduated high school. We played. We used to play midnight soccer. Well, we used to drive our cars out there and put the headlights on and play on the football field. But we did that for like a week or so right before I left the college. But we don't really play soccer much, but um, as for what I believe, whoa, whoa, um, whoa. as far as the, the game fact, goes. The fact you did that, the fact you did that tells you how much different than we are. If we're going to put lights on the football field, we play in football. Hey, tell them. That's right. We might play some baseball. If you, if you, if we you put play lights on the we're going to use that soccer ball for a hoop ball because somebody didn't bring a hoop ball. <laughs> you ain't playing no soccer. If you brought a tennis ball out, we're playing baseball with the tennis ball. All right? I'm just telling you, those niche sports are right. not in the hood. It happens. <laughs> Y'all know it. Listen, okay, if you, if, you, if you call yourself kicking the ball, listen. I'm going to tell you right now, we didn't kick the football, okay? We didn't kick the football. There was no punters on the south side. That didn't happen. There was no kick place kickers on the south side. We played whoever get the ball, get tackled. Everybody was running back and linemen. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Darnell, what were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, you know me, I've always been on team no sportsmanship. I don't care if you lose 13 to 0. Stop us. They did them like we used to do here on. Come on, stop playing. <laughs> he said team no sportsmanship. I love it, baby. I love it. 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 So we're going to keep track of that. We're going to take this to baseball, man. David Ortiz was shot to DR. That's one thing. Can, can we ever go home again? You know, we talk about athletes going back, giving back. Nobody did more philanthropy work in his own uh, 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 country, his own community, as David Ortiz. I mean, very committed. Goes home in a nightclub. Cat comes up, shoots him in the back. We find out if there was a coordination or hit on him. Uh, you know, the boss of Red Sox come out. 
support him, get the team playing, fly him back to Boston where he has surgery again. Um, he's working back on his feet. Um, it, 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 uh, it's, just, it's crazy, man, uh, how you can have someone like that uh, and, you know, that gives that much. And, you know, there might be other layers to this story that we might find out as we move farther and farther away from it. Um, you know, we know these kids at this point, or these young folks uh, at this point, were paid, like, I think, $5,000 to pull it off, coordinated hit. Um, I haven't had a chance to track too much more of the story yet. But, you know, I'll go to you, Hank, you know, as our, as our resident baseball guy and, uh, and uh, you know, um, um, the, uh, the, the face of inside the park uh, for RSG. You know, you heard about David Ortiz, you know, uh, Big Poppy and everything else. I mean, what was, when you heard that, what, what kind of went through your mind? And, you know, and what does, you know, you know, people don't know how much David Ortiz just means to baseball. Um, but can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and, and, and to me, it, it, it stunned me, and I really prayed that he was going to be all right. You know, I think that regardless of, you know, uh, whether you're a Boston Red Sox fan or not, David Ortiz just became just such a, a great ambassador for the sport, okay? Big Poppy uh, uh, just really did, did a lot for baseball, um, and, and he was the voice of the Red Sox during the tragedy during the Boston Marathon bombing situation there. Uh, that season culminated with the Red Sox winning the World Series and Big Poppy being the MVP. Um, and the thing is about it is, it's just he, he, he brought fun to baseball, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and the players around him like being around him. Uh, and he was, he was that kind of a larger-than-life player uh, for baseball. You know, he, he was almost like a modern-day Babe Ruth, as you will, in regards to his character off of the field, okay, and how people flock to him and everything. So uh, this was this was very tragic. I know the baseball world held his collective breath um, in, in hopes that he was going to be all right. You know, there was all kind of conflicting reports that he had that she got shot in the leg, then got shot in the back, and then all these different things. But uh, the news on his prognosis is very good. What's more disturbing now is the uh, situation concerning situation around his shooting in that it was an organized hit, that it was an assassination attempt, that, uh, you know, that, that, that he was messing around with the mistress of a drug lord uh, down in the Dominican Republic. And uh, that alone is disturbing. And so that's, they, they're still trying to investigate that. A greater story still is that this seems to seem like so much you know, what's going on in the DR right now. I don't know what's going on. There's tourists and stuff uh, finding themselves dead. Now you've got an icon like David Ortiz, uh, you know, getting shot. Uh, it, 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 to me, if I'm David Ortiz, my home is Boston, Massachusetts, or anywhere close to it where I can be safe and protected, him and his family. Uh, that very, very tragic. And, and, and the sad thing about it, too, is he probably thought that he was comfortable just coming and going because of who he was and who he is. Um, and that's a tragedy, but it really does speak more to the human condition in that these things happen and it even happens to our sports icons. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and that connection between the sports and the underworld and, your neighborhood and, and, and who you grew up with and where you grew up and how you go back into those elements and what happens when you go back into those elements. 
all those things are layers to that to, to that to that story. And so, um, you know, I think you as being that that voice of uh, inside the park, and you know, we'll we'll monitor this as well as um, other aspects of what's happening around baseball. We're gonna move to boxing. We got a big weekend coming up here, but we're gonna reflect a little bit. Um, and I'm gonna bring Darnell back in here as um, we we Darnell and I are, are piloting and, and pulling up a, a podcast, a boxing moment with Darnell and Devon, where we kind of bring some boxing to life here on RSG, and we've been working with that um, uh, uh, and kind of bringing a different perspective to the RSG platform. Um, and Darnell is really our our, our emerging star in the, in, the, in the space of boxing. Uh, this young man has has really got great perspective on it. And we want to, Darnell and I, we were putting together the rundown back and forth. One thing we didn't have an opportunity to do and, and also bring Hank into this process is um, to talk about what the, the upset that happened in Brooklyn um, and Anthony Joshua uh, being the, uh, uh, being upset by Andrew Ruiz. But, uh, you know, maybe uh, Darnell, I'll bring you in to kind of, kind of, kind of provide an overview and then, you know, maybe uh, engage Hank a little bit in some of the conversations you and I are having. Right, so we're pretty much talking about how the fight happened between Emily um, Joshua and Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz, he was a replacement for Jarrell Miller, which is uh, he's a New York fighter. The fight was supposed to be in his hometown, but he tested positive for a whole bunch of drugs. He, he tested positive for three um, separate um, drugs and three separate drug tests. So um, Andrew Reeves was a replacement for him, and he was a super underdog. It was like, um, I think the odds were like 7-1 to one or 11-1 to one or something huge like that. But um, Andrew Reeves, he came in, he handled his business. He got on the inside. He got his um, combinations flowing. And once, um, and once he hurt Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua seemed like he never recovered. Like, um, he seemed like he gassed out. And then um, in the seventh round, he um, dropped him two more times, and after that, um, Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua was given instructions by the referee. He kind of um, gave signs like he wanted to, um, he, like he did not want to continue, but his words said he wanted to continue. He said, yes, I'd like to continue, but he spit his mouthpiece out. He walked to the corner. He was, he was showing the ref signs that he didn't want to continue, so the ref ultimately stopped the fight. And now uh, Andy Ruiz is the um, first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. Want to come back in here, um, Devon? Yeah. So, so Hank, did you, what were your reflections on, uh, you know, the fight? I mean, we've had a chance to uh, talk about it. I mean, we it's, it's in that Buster Douglas realm of upset. Wow. Uh, people you, don't understand, you, but but uh, you the words I don't know if you right had a chance to, to check it out. <laughs> yeah, you ripped the words out of my mouth when you said Buster Douglas. This is what I saw. Okay. See, here's the thing about boxing that, that that people just don't understand unless you really watch the game, really watch watch the fights. It's it's not just physical. It is not just endurance. Okay. It is also uh, what is that? What am I? I'm done already. Saved by the bell. <laughs> I don't know. That must, that must be the, that must be the youngest. You can't be ordering pizza during the show. <laughs> All right. Now you got to go out to your front porch to get it. You should have waited till after we get done. Unbelievable. Uh, no. <laughs> anyway, let me get back to what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> look, he called on the work phone. He called on the work phone, Hank. He called on the work phone. Uh, unbelievable. You know, I guess back in the day. I, I know that's right. See there? I see, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make him run a lap again. I told you. 
We're throwing the ball over the backstop. I'm going to keep bringing it back. <laughs> so, so what I saw here, what I saw here is, like you said, the fighter beforehand. Uh, that's what he had prepared for. That's what he had prepared for, and he let his mental guard down. He let his mental guard down, and any time you let your mental guard down in the, in the ring, the, the rest of your body is going to follow. He took some shots. He didn't recover because he didn't, he didn't study for this man. That, that was clear. He thought that he, when he saw him walk in the ring, he thought there was going to be a walkover. When you saw the two of them standing there in the ring, you thought this was going to be a walkover. Okay? Nobody told Ruiz that he was going to be a walkover. Okay? He came in there, as all fighters do, with a puncher's chance. All right? Now, see, if I was him, I would do the same thing Buster Douglas did, and I would have him linger. I would not give him a rematch right away, okay? I wouldn't do any of that. I would, I would bask in this for as long as I possibly could. He only probably got a couple of bags of chips to take this fight because he wasn't the one who was supposed to fight. But what he needs to do right now is get his promoter, get somebody else to get him a couple of pugs to go up against to kind of make his, make his star rise a little bit before he goes back in the ring and has to really defend that title. Yeah, and I, and I, I agree with him. Go ahead, Darnell. Okay, I'm going to say I agree with him uh, on the fact that um, he should, he could um, possibly go away from that rematch, but I think he should take that rematch because I think he beat Andrew Johnson again because he exploited um, things that, We've seen Anthony Joshua, and Anthony Joshua said it himself, he's probably with fighters that are shorter than himself. He likes fighting guys that are his own height because he doesn't like to reach as much. But when I he has so. to reach against guys like Anthony Joshua, like, yep. I, I don't think he, I, but I don't think Ruiz beats him in a rematch, okay? I mean, I think that he's going to prep for this, for this fighter, and, and you, you just saw a lot of sloppiness. You saw a lot of sloppiness, and that cost him the fight. I just don't think that in a rematch that happens. So if you're Ruiz, you better do all you can to get this fight, to get, get the biggest purse you can get. So what you've got to do is let somebody else see you. Like I said, I don't care if you get you a couple of uh, 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 paint cans and throw them in the ring and put some shorts on them and some gloves and knock them out. Do whatever you can do to get, to get, that, get that purse up because – I just don't think coming back in that that, that he's got a shot. I mean, I, I think that, that he took okay, a puncher's chance. You hit it right here. They're going to try to make him have an O2 arena. They're going to mess up his accommodations and where he got a box. They're going to do everything to frustrate his training when he has to come to UK to train parts of it. Uh-huh. They're, gonna, they're not going to have his locker room set up right. They're going to mess his food order up. They're going to do whatever they can do while he's there to disrupt his preparation in advantage of AJ. That's why Ruiz is like, we're going to do this in East L.A. <laughs> he didn't mm-hmm. say L.A. He what? said, we're going to do it in East L.A. I don't blame you. I'm like, I'm, we're going to do this in Vegas, East L.A., because now I know how you acted when we went to New York and tried to adjust. I'm going to make you fly a few more miles, a few more hours in a plane. I'm going to get you out in the heat. I'm going to get you, you know, we're going to do this. <laughs> But we gonna do this. We gonna do this in Compton, you know. <laughs> you know, because right. I'm the champ. We gonna do something, and I think we got to come up with something. Like you said, you know, uh, you'll get with something to get that kind of set up uh, the, the, the right way. Because 
he he can they if he go back in, I think he can beat him, but they're gonna create conditions on him when he come over there that's gonna be disrupt. Now I think he's mentally strong enough to get through it, but I think he's gonna do whatever they can to like disrupt everything up until he gets to that ring is gonna be messed up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is what I gotta say about that is but this is what I gotta say about that. He's not in control, so he can't even control any of that. Um, Ruiz is the guy with the belt. Ruiz is the guy that has the ultimate veto power because he can say, you know what, you need to fight because you want your belts back. I don't have to take the fight. So that's on you, man. So um, he doesn't have to go and go through all the stipulations if he doesn't if he doesn't want to. So that's well. Um, and also want to pivot off of the point of what Hank said about his promoter. Did you know that um, Andrew Ruiz? Was offered this fight last year for thirty thousand dollars. He was wow. he, when he was working when he was working with Bob Arum and Todd Wright. But now that he's with Al Heyman, he got um, I think he got like five million dollars. Wow. Five million dollars. Wow. wow. So that's just the power of uh, Al Heyman and PBC. And you know, I, um, Al Heyman, he he's a Harvard graduate. He knows what to do. He knows how to handle his business. He's going to make sure Eddie Ruiz is not screwed. He's going to make sure he has um, everything he needs to um, have a fair chance in the rematch. So I don't think he's going to get jobbed. But that's just uh, my opinion. No. And, wow. and, and nor, well, he should, I, nor, nor should he. But my point is simply he should take his time and, and chew on his steak for as long as he can. Okay? Yeah. And like I said before, just, just if you're going to take a fight, Take a fight where, like I said, you 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 can't lose. All you gotta do is show up and throw your jock strap on the, in the ring, and you win. And that's just to kind of keep you relevant, so you're not just sitting out there and 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 and, and do what you can, and let his promoter do what he can to just to to get as big a purse as he can for that rematch. Yeah, and at least get you an appearance on the Tonight Show. You know, at least do the circuit. Get on the View. You know what I'm saying? You know, at least, least you know. Telemundo, get on something. Like, dude, at least get a score in. You know, before you get back in the ring, milk that for something. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, don't – you got to get something. Get get your, get your ride on. Get something on it before you get back in that ring. That's my point, yes. I'm a, yeah. yeah, I'm going to throw another hat in the ring. I'm going to throw another hat in the ring. Uh, all with the Andrew Weeks, um being Anthony Joshua and taking his belt. All four of the major championships at heavyweight are with PBC and Al Heyman. So do not discount the possibility that uh, Andrew Weeks can fight somebody else like Hank said. And after that, do not um, discount the um, possibility of there being a unification with Deontay Wilder. And the winner of that is going to be undisputed, and they're all going to be under the PBC banner. So So when Anthony Joshua... Um, comes to get his rematch, he has to work with that side. But um, I, I think that'd be the move because yeah. if you get that, if them belts get in the Anthony Wilder's hand, and he's got Fury coming up, oh my goodness! Now you got something. Right. Now it's cooking with grease. Now everybody that comes to the table ready to eat. So we're going to see how this works out. It, you know, and I start out, you know, and that's the super uh, fight. You know, when we, 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 I start out this journey talking to Doug Fisher. About PBC when it first dropped out, I said, "Man, I think Al Heyman knows something." Everybody, everybody's kind of skeptical of it, but he's driven so much. Ever since he made that move, he's driven so much of the business. 
and he's like he's like that style. He like Mr. Big. Things is moving. All you because they hate to see a brother look. in charge. <laughs> that is truth. They hate they hate right. Paul. They hate uh, Al Heyman. They hate to see a yep. brother that's um in control. That's 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 it. And, and, and when we get to the uh, NBA stuff, I didn't put this on here, but we're about to transition to the Cypher. Uh, I do want to uh, uh, touch you a little bit on that Rich Paul because Rich Paul was on uh, Sports Illustrated. You know, everybody coming at him, uh, and they find out he, he's more than just a friend of LeBron. This guy is serious about his business. And so uh, we're going to go up to the Cypher. Uh, down goes KD. Is it the end of a dynasty? That's what we're talking about here at the Cypher. Let's come up with the first question here. Uh, should, KD, should KD have been allowed to play? And then who do you blame? Hank, let me hit you first, and then go to Darnell. Look, this, you got to share blame, okay? You got to share blame. Let me tell you why. Because did we, we, we had this conversation last year about Kawhi Leonard, did we not? When he, yep. he knew his body. He knew that he wasn't feeling good and he couldn't play. Tony Parker came out talking all that noise that that caused enough of a rift for San Antonio to trade Kawhi out here to Toronto, and we know the rest of that story, okay? KD needs to know how that feels, okay? Uh, the one thing about athletes is, you know, you, the doctor can – their job is to get you back out on the, on the field, on the court, on the ice, okay? That's their job, okay? And, and, and they're going to say stuff if his heart wants to play, and he knows he doesn't feel right, then he rolls the dice. I think KD has to know, uh, look, uh, I, I know how this feels. I'm not here trying to practice. And, and, and to his credit, when he first came out and started balling, it looked good. Everybody thought, oh, okay, here we go, regular schedule programming. And then you saw the footage of his calf just sort of quiver, and he went down, and that was a wrap. The, the thing about it is it's unfortunate. It, it happens in sports. He happens to be a great, great, great athlete, which, you know, many have said that, that, you, you, that Golden State runs away with this thing with KD, all right? But it's it shared blame, in my opinion, because he was out for a month. This is the finals. Uh, you're not going to sit out the finals. This is a champion. If you, if you got any heart at all, you want to play if you can play. Okay, back in the day, uh, we, we, we always think about that Willis Reed coming back in game seven to help the Knicks win a championship after he looked like he had been shot. Okay, we talk about Michael Jordan with the flu, okay, and come back and, 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 and wins, wins the games and wins championships. This is the championship. Nobody's going to begrudge this man for trying to help his team, which, by the way, they did win and staved off elimination for trying to come back. Now, is the price too great? We are talking about one of the finest, one of the greatest players uh, in his time right now that's playing. He's going to miss all of next year, which is the unfortunate piece to an Achilles injury. And what does that do for him, you know, and his confidence? That's a hard injury to come back from. Ask anyone who's had it. Okay? We know he's going to work his doggone to get it right. But uh, to the second question that you asked about that, it was his dynasty, is the dynasty over? I think the dynasty was over even after this finals. Win or lose, the, the Golden State Warriors, as we know them, uh, that dynasty was done, okay? Free agency, age, 
no more big games. All of those are going to come into play for this team. And they, and we saw it this year in the playoffs. We saw it when they played the Clippers. We saw it when they when they played uh, other teams. Uh, they, it, they, it was not they, they they weren't as dominant as as they had been. They don't have home court for these finals. They have not been as dominant as they've been. The question for them will be what kind of dynasty were they? We can talk about that later, but um, the dynasty was going to end in 2019 regardless of the outcome of either tonight or, or in a couple of days from now. Yeah, and I was great. I was listening to uh, 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 Dudley was talking today and, uh, from the uh, net, um, and he said with that injury, usually you do like three weeks of pool, of pool work before you um, you get out. And, um, you know, he did – one week of pool work. He said he, he he knew there was a problem when he only did one week of pool work before getting out doing the two on two, three on three, then five on five. It's usually a progression. Usually do three weeks of pool work. And so he in his thing he's like then KD knew something about it being a, a issue and a chance because usually they'll let you know where you are in terms of your percentage. Um, like this there's a fifty percent chance this is going to go. And so KD knew something. Uh, that's part of this process because that's kind of how they communicate uh, in his experience. So there's a number of issues up there. Um, uh, Darnell, uh, same question. Hell no. <laughs> but um, but um, what I got to say about it is the blame, like Hank said, it's a shared blame, but the brunt of the blame has to go with the doctors because the doctors are the ones that told Kevin Durant that um, – we're dealing with the calf injury, and um, and with the calf injury, there's no um, there's no correlation between the calf injury and the Achilles. So the only thing that can happen is the calf could get worse. That is a bold faith lie. Um, I know I'm not a doctor. We don't have any doctors in here, but um, it's common sense that your calf is connected to your Achilles. Your Achilles can make your calf to your foot. So like we know that if your calf is compromised which that is being said that it was a calf injury to begin with because like we, we all saw what happened when he got, when he, uh, when, with the initial injury, he got, uh, he came down and he looked back and was as if somebody kicked him and he reached for his Achilles. He reached like a good three, three inches um, below where his calf is. So we know the, um, the first, um, five K was in that area. So it probably was, um, uh, a strange Achilles, there's some there's stuff they weren't even telling him. He probably did have damage to his Achilles, um, but they lied to him. The the coaches, um, you know, the coaches they put pressure on him as well because what they did was uh, when he first got injured, they were saying, "Okay, Katie might be back next week. Katie might be back the next week. Katie might be back the week after that. Katie's not he's not he, he's traveling with the team this week." Okay, he might play uh, game three versus Portland. He might play game four versus Portland. He might play game two versus. So after all this goes on, um, there's pressure on KD saying um, the the players on his team is saying, "Well, well, dang, uh, coaches, the coaches and everybody saying you should be you should have been back a couple weeks ago. What's going on? If we um if we had you, we wouldn't be losing to this team. So he's getting pressure from all angles saying." Okay, Kevin, you got to be on the court. And, you know, Kevin inside, he wants to play. He knows his body's not right, but at the same time, he's a, um, he's a competitor. He wants to be out there. 
and the, with the doctors, I was going out there and telling them, okay, um, you you can't really um, re-injure this. They're telling him what he wants to hear, and as soon as he hears that, he's going back on the court. I can't really blame him for that, even though he knows his body and he knows something wasn't right because they had the um, they had he had a workout before his last practice. Cause he only practiced one time, and he didn't even finish that practice. But um, he had one. He had one workout before the practice, and they said that uh, workout didn't go well, and that's why he missed game four. So uh, it's so what was the difference between um, the three or four days between game four and game five that made him magically uh, ready to play? And we saw him during the game. He, he was hitting good spot-up shots, but he's a great um, shooter. He's one of the most skilled. If, in my opinion, he's the most skilled seven-footer to ever touch a basketball. But um, – with him, with his skill level, he's going to be able to make shots standing still. But, you know, as soon as he's trying to explode, that is when his Achilles went. And you cannot tell me that those things were not connected. The blame goes on the doctors, the coaching staff, the players, and ultimately KD, but mostly the doctors. Because those are the professionals that are paid to make these decisions. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, you know, what, you made some you made some really good points, and I, I think one of the things I always thought about them talking about KD coming back was kind of like what people do in football. It forces you to use preparation time just in case he comes back. And so I always thought it was a ploy with no with no thought he was ever going to come back, but it was just going to force people to spend a little extra time to prepare just in case he showed up, right? Because you got to be prepared in case he does play. And so I thought they were saying that as a way of eroding some prep time. Because if you got to spend one, 30 minutes looking at tape of KD, that's 30 minutes you got to spend looking at somebody else. So I always thought it was that kind of ploy, with not a sense like he would ever come back. But I can understand if, even if that was the case, that's not something you're telling everybody. So then players are thinking, okay, he might come back. So I, I do think, I think at the end of the day, there is doctors, but I also think, you know, anybody at KD's level also has his own doctor. And no decisions are going to come without his doctor being part of that 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 part of that, that process. And I think he, at a certain point, KD and his inner circle have to weigh the pros and cons of it. And like you said, he was good when he shooting straight up. But in that moment, you got to be like, KD, you just a spot-up shooter, baby. But it's hard when you get in your mix. He is three. He, he was three for three. He, he was three for three. Yeah. Then he went for that funky move crossover, and it was like, whoop, whoop, because the fool's goal was he did a little dance move in the in the, in the, in the, uh, in the tunnel before he came out, so he thought he was good. <laughs> he did a little soul drain dance move. He thought the crossover was going to be in the mix tonight. But like you said, when you ain't putting that kind of pressure in practice, usually what the regimen is is the three weeks, you do two on two, the three on three, the five on five, so you put a lot of stress on it then they're able to sit and watch the way you heal and recover. He didn't have all that, you know, so they, they cut it out. So, you know, you know, ultimately sometimes you got to defend the, the, the star from himself and say, look, this ain't your burden to bear. Um, but in the day, he, got to, he has to decide whether he's going to walk on that court. But what kind of information he got, you know, he don't seem like he's in that blame mode from what I'm, what I'm sensing. Not like Kawhi was. Kawhi was like, I ain't sure about all this. KD don't seem like he's that blame mode, which means they might be saying some things publicly to take him off the blame mode or whatever it might be. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to shake up free agency. About to shake up free agency. 
So, Darnell, does this change the free agency landscape? And if you were advising KD, what move would you make? It should change uh, the free agency landscape because what I was hearing is he was going to go with um, Kyrie Irving and go to to Brooklyn Nets. But um, it looks like Kyrie's going to Brooklyn regardless because he he uh, fired his agent, I think, yesterday, and he's going to sign with Rock Nation as his um, his rep- representation. So I don't think it's going to uh, impact it much at all because um, Kyrie is still going to go to the Nets. But the only thing is, um, with him getting injured, Kevin Durant is probably going to stay in Golden State and um, just take his money and rehab. That's what I think what he's going to do. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about yeah him taking an option, $31 million, staying there for a year, rehabbing. Um, you, yeah, you probably going to get Bob Myers, um, who was emotional, and, and I had a chance to, like, see Bob. I didn't get a chance to talk to him about Maui for the Maui Invitational. But, you know, my sense of Bob is Bob is a real player kind of guy. He did say some crazy stuff at the celebration last year about KD, and he was joking, but he didn't like KD because he joked. But Bob overall is, just seems to be a pretty genuine guy. I could see them, you know, uh, offer, offer him the max at the end of a one-year, just kind of one-year thing. So he has the option of staying and go to state. I think that might be a good thing so he doesn't change scenery. Um, uh, and then that changes kind of where things go from, from there in terms of who's available on, uh, on the market. So that could be it. Hank, um, um, in terms of free agency, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? And how would you advise? Would you advise KD in the same way that Darnell's kind of laying out? I think you have to almost stay at Golden State, okay, because next year is a wash. They can max you out to get your money. The problem is is he's going to struggle, okay, to try to get a long-term deal, a multi-year deal coming off an Achilles injury, okay? He can get the most money if he goes to – if he stays in Golden State now. The thing is is that somebody might act a pool and take a flyer on him and offer him uh, an incentive-laden – multi-year deal, provided that he can still play, okay? But but the thing about it is, is that's not, that's going to always be that that contract's going to be backloaded, and and if I'm a, if I'm if I'm an owner, it's going to be backloaded, you know, uh, depending upon if you can still play, okay? And and the thing is, we're talking about an Achilles injury for a player that, like you say, he wants to cross over and stuff. That's going to take some time, and and you just don't see. You know, with with, with with basketball players, it's a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit more touchy, you know, because of the play to the to the hole and everything like that. So, I'm with Darnell and the fact that he should stay. He'll probably get his most money, um, his first, his most money and go to state for next year, and then try to see what happens the year after that. Understanding that, you know, without showing somebody what he can do. Uh, he's going to really struggle. He's going to have a backloaded deal, and it's going to be incentive laden. So, uh, what he wants to do at that point, it it, it 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 throws a wrench in it. It really does throw a wrench in it for him. I feel bad for him on that, but he can still get his cash and rehab quite nicely right there in Golden State. You listen to the RSG one mic with uh, Hank Devon and Darnell. Uh, I'm going to kind of wrap up our, our couple of our things that we've had in a rundown here in the end before we go to the drop the mic. 
Um, I'm going to go with uh, each of us will talk about this. What do you see as kind of your, your keys to victory for both teams if they're going to close win tonight or close out the series? Um, and who, who do you have winning it, uh, the series? Uh, and, and if we can combine those two things, I'd like to hear that before we, we go to drop the mic. I'll start with Darnell. Who are your, 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 your keys to victory for the team and then who you have winning it? Well, before and, the and series, has that from has that changed from where you were at before the series? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, before the series, I had Warriors and seven. So, in order for my um, prediction to come true, the Warriors have to win tonight. And um, if you uh, pay attention, both both of the games that the Warriors have won this series, we had good performances from um, Demarcus Cousins. So, in order for the Warriors to win tonight, I believe Demarcus Cousins have to play well. And um, the shooters have to, and the shooters being um, Stephen Clay, they have to be on. You, we can't afford to have a bad night from Stephen Curry. But in my opinion, I believe the Warriors will win tonight on emotional heights, as your brother Steve would say. Uh, <laughs> it's the last game of Oracle, and I think um, Steph and Clay are going to come up big. So um, those three are your X factors to them. But on the Toronto Rockets side, um, Marcus Shaw has to be more aggressive, in my opinion, because we know we're going to get a consistent effort from um, Kawhi Leonard. Um, Kyle Lowry has to hit a shot, but um, if you look at Marcus Shaw, he can score from um, all areas of the court. He can score from three-point land. He can score from um, mid-range. He can post up. He can pass. If he's um, if he's aggressive, I don't want him being the guy that he's wide open. He is, then all of a sudden he's pump taking two or three times. If you're open, shoot the shot. We make it hit it. You just knock it down. So um, those are my X factors for the game. And my prediction is Warriors win tonight, and Game Seven is a toss up. All right, Hank. Well, listen. Uh, I had the Warriors in six. I had no idea that Clay Thompson was going to blow out his hammy. I didn't had no idea that. Uh, Iguodala was going to, um, you know, be, still be injured. I had no idea that KD was not going to come back at all, and I didn't have no idea that uh, DeMarcus Cousins was going to be a pylon for the first three games. So I took uh, I took Golden State with that. Now, tonight uh, I expect Golden State to win too. I just can't see the Raptors taking three at Oracle, especially this being the last game at Oracle Arena. I just think that that's just going to be just too much for them to overcome. Now, so we get to game seven. And this is where it it gets kind of funny because uh, this is where the experience of the Golden State Warriors comes in. This is where they know. They're looking at each other in the mirror. They're looking at each other in the eyes, and they know this is going to probably be our last run, fellas. So what do we do? So I think that the fact that the Toronto missed an opportunity at home to win that, to win that now the, the, the pressure changes, okay, because they were playing with house money. Now it goes to they were supposed to win. You have an injured, wounded championship team, you're supposed to take them out. And I think that the win tonight, I think that, that you're going to see some championship savvy from the Golden State Warriors. I think that it's going to be overwhelming in the uh, in, in favor of Toronto to take Game Seven, 
but I think that you just do not underestimate the heart of a champion. Okay, and again, this is this this is this thing will be the last time we see this rendition of the Golden State Warriors. So I'm going out on a limb, and I'm saying they win tonight at Oracle, and I say they pull off a very close win uh, up there in, in Toronto. And, and, and take their third championship and ride off into the sunset. I think it's going to be very exciting. Everybody wants to see a seven-game series, and I think we're going to get it. My prediction before uh, the, the the finals of that is going to be Toronto and seven. And I think the one thing about all this, usually these emotional things work except when you have a cyborg. His name is Clark Leonard. Tell you a guy who has no expression. Even when we talk about somebody who has a good relationship like KD, he was just so monotone. Like, this guy um, has the it factor. And, uh, in fact, I think there's a high possibility that he could suck like 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 a cyborg would the, the venom and the blood and tissue out of Oracle tonight and close it emphatically. I, I think he could do it. <laughs> I think he just has it in him. And, you know, now they're over the injury. The problem that I have when I watch the Warriors is this. They shot the lights out one by one. Um, a really a bad call, kind of timeout, momentum-shifting call. But I wouldn't quite bring it on nerves because if the players had a chance, they needed to step up and actually make it happen. But they did everything they did, and they only one by one. And I'm looking at this like, at most, Clay and, and Steph will get you seven. I don't know where the rest of the points come from. And and I think it'll be a great initial first quarter with a lot of emotion. And the thing about the final, if you watch, they weathered it. What was different last night is that you had KD who was three for three. They were five for five to three-point line. I think they made 20-something three-pointers. They might have to make 30. And I think that bar is just the math don't work out. The math don't work out. And Kyle Lowry seems to be Jekyll and Hyde like to play on the road. You know, he just likes to play out there. And I just think that when it, it's the kind of thing that's going to be – the, the season has been anticlimactic. Think about it. It's just been that kind of season. It should be storybook. But the real story is Kawhi Leonard. The person who we chastised last year, who we said was people were saying was being selfish, and now after seeing what happened to KD, now people understand this guy who never says anything. <laughs> we understand who he really is, and this guy just doesn't get shook, and it seems like these guys kind of ride with him. And I have a feeling that the Toronto gonna win it. It's gonna be either tonight or Game Seven. Toronto's taking it home to the six. I hate to say that with Drake, and, and, and we're going to have to hear it forever. But uh, I think they either won it tonight or they won it uh, uh, game seven, but Toronto's taking it home. Well, that's it for RSG. We've got to go right to the man. Our man, Hank, you know the resident, the OG, is going to have to drop the mic. Thank you. You know, on these airways, we very rarely talk about hockey. But tonight, I want to start off by first congratulating the St. Louis Blues for winning the first ever Stanley Cup in their history. 
Uh, they beat the Boston Bruins last night in the game seven, four to one. Uh, the, the, you're talking about a franchise over 50 plus years. Last time they had gone to a Stanley Cup Finals was over 40 years ago, 49 years ago, and lo and behold, they win a Stanley Cup. Why is that so significant tonight? As far as my drop the mic, because it got me to thinking that over in the, in the span of 48 hours. We could see something that, you know, going back in time, we probably would have never thought we would see. We see an American team win the Stanley Cup, which is basically a Canadian sport, which has been dominated by American teams over the course of the last two decades. And then tonight, or maybe even next week, we could see a Canadian team win the NBA Finals. Okay, a sport that was clearly dominated by all American teams because because you just didn't have any Canadian teams playing uh, basketball. So that's just kind of an irony, a bit of a, a little bit of an ironic twist. But we could see something tonight that is historic. Last time we saw something like this, this was quite historic. It goes back into the 90s when the Toronto Blue Jays, a Canadian baseball team, won the World Series in back-to-back years. Okay. And that was a very fine team, very unexpected. And this could be very much unexpected tonight with the Toronto Raptors, just like it was last night with the St. Louis Blues. Either way, it makes for great theater. It makes for great excitement. And it also gives you an opportunity to say that I was there when the St. Louis Blues won their first Stanley Cup, or I was there when the Toronto Raptors won their first NBA final. This is what sports is all about. When you think about uh, just just teams, you just think about teams that right here we watch every day. It's like here in, in Southeast Michigan or in the Midwest, you know, where you just wait and you just be patient and you just hope that your team wins something and then none, none of your teams are ready to go. But there's always sometimes sports guys smile down and say, we're going to give you a little something to look at that you've never seen before. So, because you've never seen it before, you can say you were there. So congratulations to the Blues. Congratulations to Toronto for making it to the finals, potentially winning the finals. Either way, we can say we were there and we've seen it all. Peace out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.